Vernomatic Productions. Hey, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saint, and you are locked on to Metal Mayhem ROC Live with the Vernomatic. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno. And direct from New Jersey, Metal Walt. Good afternoon, everybody. Vernomatic here along with Metal Walt, like the announcer said, live from New Jersey. And we're here today to give you a recap of a five-day whirlwind that I personally went on and Walt was involved with. Merciful Fate down in New York City, Wasp and Armored Saint up in the town that rocks Cleveland. And we're here to give a review, give our insights, and tell you all about it. So, Walt, how are you, man? How's the uh, how's the after effects of this metal weekend for you, my friend? It's just full of excitement and uh, still seemingly, uh, you know, pumped after that uh, show down in Brooklyn on Thursday night. Let me give a quick recap. I'm up here in Rochester, New York. Wednesday morning, I hit the road and traveled down to New Jersey, where Walt lives, and we had a chance to spend a few days together. Went to the Merciful Fate show in Brooklyn at King's Theater on Thursday. Stayed, did the show, made my way back up to The Rock on Friday, and ended up in Cleveland on Saturday for that Wasp Armored Saint sold-out fall tour. So let's pick it up. Well, thank you for the hospitality down at your crib with your family. That being said, I'm going to pass it along to you. You're the New Jersey Tri-State expert. Let's paint the picture. Where'd they play? How'd they play? What was it all about? Well, you're welcome, first of all. And, uh, you know, even for somebody like me, being a local Jersey guy, they played at this venue, which was unfamiliar to me. And I'm, I've seen it all and been to every place possible. But there was something about the lore of this uh, theater, the King's Theater, which we did some research on. And we come to find out that... The place was built in the 30s, almost a mini Radio City music hall of sorts, but it was shut down for 30, 40 years, probably not in the best of neighborhoods. But the point of it all was it set the backdrop for the perfect setting of a Brooklyn metal show. And for those don't don't live in the area, Brooklyn has an enormous metal scene, Um, the St. Vitus Bar. And uh, there's just something about it that's different than your typical New York City vibe. And I think it was the perfect setting here. But if you almost closed your eyes, you had this big metal show with the bands coming on, yet the backing almost you could have imagined like Phantom of the Opera being played here. And I think it was almost like that mystique was set up like that way where you could see King Diamond coming down the big corridor or you could see the Phantom of the Opera coming down the corridor, down to the big piano and the organ set up in the lobby. But with that said, it was purely a metal night. The vibe was intense. It was jam-packed. I think it sold out almost immediately. There was not an empty location on the floor or in the chairs. 3,000 metalheads strong. It was loud. It was smoky. The energy was buzzing. You're correct on all that. And just to exemplify 
the magnitude of one, this reunion Merciful Fate Tour. I had friends from the Rochester area make the trek that we ended up spending time with. We had friends from the internet that I've met through the radio show in this metal community that it was nice to be able to, you know, have a beer and hang out and, you know, hug each other and get to know these people. I dare say old school face-to-face mode. Everyone had their battle jackets on. There was rivet heads from generations bringing their kids dressed up with the King Diamond uh, makeup. It was, the vibe was there, so... And Vern, I will say this as well, you know, something to be said about um, lack of oversaturation of seeing King Diamond himself and Merciful Fate. You know, it's been 20 plus years since this band's toured and we know the market bands are coming in once, twice, two, three times on a tour. The anticipation for this tour in the States was big because it's not something that has been around in a long time. For me personally, I only saw Merciful Fate based on my age in 1993 and, uh, you know, for, for, for me, this one was like, I was really looking forward to it. And I think to your point with having others coming in from out of state, other areas of the country, I think it felt the same. And I think that's why the anticipation was so big and the energy was so great here. A uh, quick note, three band bill midnight opened the set with a 30 minute set. We were able to watch part of them up in the balcony and then listening to some of them. I've been exposed to a few tracks had like, well, that your interpretation had a little bit of a venom feel to them. And um, I think they held their own. They had a big merch merch area. A creator creator was second on the bill. They came around, they have that new one out and they, they kicked ass. They had a, they had a, a production. They, they had what they hanging uh, guys in the nooses and they had a nice, backdrop and uh, th- there was smoke there was fire well what's your interpretation of uh, you had some funny stories about uh creator share some of those yeah i uh i would say i'm only like softly familiar with the band but i they turned my impression into a much better uh view on this band i mean a they're german and uh what i really liked was the genuine feel they gave the audience and the connection to brooklyn they said they cut their teeth in America in 1987, played one of their first shows in the U.S. at Lemoore, which was a legendary bar and club in the area and not far from where this venue was. And you, you could just feel they were giving it 150% this night. Um, you know, you know, almost like it to me, they were like the closest thing I've heard to Slayer uh, since, you know, seeing Slayer right into the uh, the retirement a few years back. And, you know, they have that tough German-European mentality flying the flag around. And you could just see the pride on their chest and the way they were boasting. And the fans loved it. The pit was going. They were into it. They felt like they were at home in the States. Yeah, you're right on all of those observations. We were really close. We were on the floor, facing stage left. Uh, maybe 15, 20 feet away. We were right there. You felt the power. You, uh, the, the guitars were killing. That lead vocalist at one point having that chant, uh, was that uh, Satan or something or another, but it was very communal. They just fucking killed it. And the crowd, I remember looking up on the left of me in the balcony, 
and there, there's like these dudes just sucking headbanging. The guitarist is pointing them out, headbanging with them. They're like air guitar into each other, and it was, uh, it, w- it was a scene. It was, it was all that, and it was cool because, like, like you said, they started in '87. They made references about being in uh, Brooklyn and New York, some of the best shows, and they made it a point, obviously, inviting everyone. Enjoy the holidays because they're coming back for a headlining tour in the in the in the spring, and there was a fair share of people there for Creator, which was totally cool. Because, I mean, I've jammed them before and I respect them, but once you see them live, they did their job by seeing them. And hey, you know, if they came up my way, I'd probably go again. But you know, everyone was there for Merciful Fate. So the touring band of this incarnation of Merciful Fate, obviously King on vocals and original guitarist Hank Sherman. Uh, Walt, who was the rest of the band? I wasn't familiar with them. So, yeah, so I think Michael Denner was not included in this project. I think uh, maybe there's some uh, sore feelings right now with him and uh, King. But he did bring over from the King Diamond Band, Mike Weed as the second guitarist. uh, And then longtime drummer, uh, Barn Holm. And then for bassist, uh, he had a, a younger girl named Becky Baldwin. She's British. And uh, apparently he met her at the Download Festival this past June, and they ended up loving her her look and her sound with the Rickenbacker so much that uh, they brought her on to fill in for Joey Vera. And she was cool, man. She was tall and thin and had the tattoos on the arms. She just fit right in. So it was a totally killer lineup. And as we know, with uh, bands touring in 2022 and 2023, people are there for the product. I mean, yes, you have to have some original members, but nobody's really blinking an eye if there's some others that weren't part of the original lineup. No, well, unfortunately, some of the original lineup has passed away. Uh, You're spot on with that. Walt mentioned he didn't start seeing them until like the mid-90s. Well, I'm an old-timer, and I had a chance to see them on the Don't Break the Oath tour with Motorhead and Exciter, and I remember seeing them and meeting them back in the day. And this brought back a lot of memories and mostly the music standout tracks. In my mind, I love the open. I'm not going to sit here and spoil too much of this because the tour is still going on, but they opened with the oath. And at the end of the set, when fucking evil, you know, they played, they played evil, uh, come to the Sabbath. It was the best Satan's fall. Uh, what were some of the tracks you were digging? I appreciated the new song that uh, came out about a year ago that is not recorded yet. They premiered it over the summer in Europe called The Jackal of Salzburg and how King came out and said, you know what? We can't do all short ones, so we have to play some long ones too because we only have so many songs to pick from. So that was neat to kind of hear a new piece of material. Uh, of course, Melissa and Come to the Sabbath nearing the end of the set, they're classics. They're timeless. They're perfect. You can't hear them enough. And then Satan's Fall to me as the encore was my favorite. Um, I just think the overall sound of the band was great. They were in fine, fine form. And I loved at the end of the show that he was so grateful for the New York crowd that he actually, I saw him kind of bend over into the front row as everybody was applauding and they were doing their bows and he signed a piece of merchandise for a fan and he stood up and he looked at the crowd and he said, fucking you, New York, you fucking rule. And he said, 
This is something I don't do. I don't sign autographs. No presents for you for Christmas. And he walked <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And he did give a salutation. He goes, oh, that's, thank you from the bottom of my black heart. And, you know, it made me chuckle. It was um, well, well worth the trip. It's always a pleasure to see Merciful Fate in this environment, creator. And I do want to give a shout out to my friends that listen to the radio show, Jimmy Neff, better known as Jimmy from the Bronx, Steve Shanders and Ann Shanders from Rochester that made the trip, and uh, Kenny Kessel from the Metal Voice, another media outlet. It's nice to uh, meet up with, again, meet up with these people in person and, you know, raise the horn. So any parting shots, Walt? For those fans that are still going to go see the remaining few shows on the tour, you're going to love it. And I will say for uh, as many artists that are out there that maybe can't hold up anymore, King is not one of them. King, he sang the low notes, the low ranges. He still has the high ranges. An amazing guy, you know. And I think he, uh, you know, they 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 make sure that they don't overplay. They play every other night. And uh, and the, that the, the hour and a half set list is perfect for him because you're going to get the quality product that you deserve. I agree. I agree. All right, so there's Metal Walt down in New Jersey. Like I mentioned, the second part of the weekend, I made my way up to Cleveland, Ohio, Armored Saint, Wasp, doing their uh, fall sold-out 40th anniversary tour. Now, it's not billed as a co-headline, but really, uh, the meat and potatoes of this set, this, this bill, I believe, is Armored Saint. Wasp is headlining. They have a longer set. That being said, um, you know, let's give a review. So, like I said, we have a crossover episode. We've made friends with the guys at Wolf Rock Radio, my buddy Jay Wallace. We, um, I invited him to join us in the interview. Mainly it started as just maybe, you know, him and Jay and I meet each other, and it quickly turned into, like I said, a crossover episode. So I have uh, Jay on the phone right now from Cleveland, Ohio. Jay, how are you, man? Oh, great, brother. How are we doing, man? I'm doing well. Hey, man, what a fucking weekend. Thank you for the hospitality in Cleveland. We had a great time. First time I was ever at the Agora Theater. Um, It was just, uh, I've been to many shows in the Cleveland area. Well, not many, but, you know, we've gone over this. Blossom Park and uh, Gundarina. Um, geez, let's get right into it. You and I had a chance to do a joint crossover interview with Joey, and we're going to be playing that in a minute. Let's get your interpretation of the Armored Saint Wasp show. I'll quickly give you my interpretation. I thought Armored Saint fucking kicked ass. They just walked right out, played about 50, 55 minutes, career-spanning set. They played a couple of the new tracks, which I love, and it was just in your face. Wasp, I, I personally thought there was going to be a little more throwback theatrics like they build, but it really wasn't. I saw Wasp back in the 80s, Electric Circus Tour, and I think that was the only time I really saw him. It is what it was. It wasn't... Uh, the highlight of the night for me was Armored Saint. I like Armored Saint better. I respect Wasp, but um, I wouldn't go see him again. That being said... What's your take on the night? I'm I'm kind of pretty much on your side on that. 
uh, Armored Saint just came out, no frills, no nothing. They just came out straight ahead, metal in your face. If you didn't know who Armored Saint was when you got there, you sure as hell knew who they were when you left. Um, their lighting was great. You could see all the band members, uh, which, you know, you need that, man. I mean, you can't just go and just, you know, anyway, I'll get in there in a minute. Um, but their sound was great. Uh, John evidently was uh, a little under the weather, but his vocals were amazing. The energy of the show on the stage and in the crowd was amazing. Um, they played 50 minutes. Wasp ended up playing about an hour and 10, something like that. And they came out, the four song medley uh, was really cool. I mean, it was great. They had a great background, the circus and that. The thing was not front lit at all. It was all backlighting and really, really dark, which if you're a photographer, it made for very grainy, horrible photos. Their sound seemed to be okay. Um, and I, I hate to be the one to bring this up, but there is a whole consensus going around um, the internet and also with a lot of the people that I know in the metal community here that was at the show and has also seen videos and that, that it seemed like there was some lip syncing. So I believe that was maybe the reason for the backlighting. So you can't see um, Blackie as well. He was hidden behind the microphone and that the guys in the band had energy. They were all out great musicians. Um, but I do agree with you. I think armored Saint really kind of won over the crowd wasp just seemed for some reason it seemed a little muddy um whether audio and visual wise the best part i thought of the wasp show was getting to see chris holmes and everybody else on the screens behind them during the show but i was told by another party that was part of a distraction for the lip syncing so at that point I was kind of disappointed. Overall, the crowd loved it, um, but I really do think Armored Saint was the highlight of that night, without a doubt. And they said 14 sold-out shows. It's great to see Armored Saint getting in front of a different audience and people to hopefully boost their career a bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And a couple comments on your comment. The Wasp, I noticed with the Wasp set, is there was a lot of downtime that music wasn't being played. The overextended open before they actually started playing. There was a lot of B-roll video footage preceding songs. Have it be old PMRC footage before Animal Fuck Like a Beast. And there was a lot of um, Blackie would be... um, you know, just sort of posing for the crowd, enticing, uh, you know, audience applause, participation. And when you really add a lot of that up, I I, I think that I haven't actually done a complete uh, correct study, but that may have been enough time with all that banter for another song or two. Um, j- just my take on that. And yeah, the set was, was, uh, was short. Now, a quick comment on the photography aspect of that. 
I want to give a shout out to Dominic Rini of Maximum Threshold Radio. I actually, before we did the interview that we're going to be playing in just a minute, there was an, uh, a media outlet doing an interview with Gonzo, the drummer of Armored Saint before us. And it just so happened to be Dominic was doing that interview. And as metal fate would have it, while we were waiting in line to get into the venue, there was some obnoxious long line. I don't know why that's a venue thing, but I happened to be standing right next to Dominic and another colleague of his from Maximum Threshold Radio. And we became friends in that 30 minutes we were in line and Dominic was shooting in the photography pit pictures of the concert which he has shared with me, and you'll be able to view those photos on our website in our blog of this show that will be up uh, probably tomorrow or Wednesday. So that's a well, little... That's really, that, that's really, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. that's really cool because I've been Facebook friends with Dominic for years, and we've actually crossed paths a couple of times while he was doing photography, and I would take a picture of him, you know, taking a picture of the bands and that and send them to him and that. Very cool guy, and that's a very good representation <laughs> of the Cleveland metal scene. It's, yeah, uh, Jay, uh, yes. It was, um, you couldn't recreate the organic relationship that is developed between Metal Mayhem ROC, yourself, and Wolf Rock Radio, and now Dominic in Maximum Threshold. So, um, just. Well, now you got a home away from home here, brother. No, no. <laughs> Any. Any reason you need to come here for a show, you know, we'll we'll take care of you. We'll we'll take you out to dinner. You know, we'll we'll wine dine you, and you know, just show you the city and let you meet a whole lot of great metalheads here, man. Well, I appreciate that. So, well, let's get into this interview. This is uh, myself, the Vernomatic Metal Mayhem ROC, with Jay Wallace of Wolf Rock Radio, and uh, quickly, Jay. Just uh, how could people get in touch and follow up and get some information on your outlet and who you're associated with Wolf Rock Radio? Uh, yeah, you can go to wolfrockradio.com. You can also find my page at Dr. J-A-Y DJ Cleveland on Facebook. Um, we got 24-hour programming, and we are expanding quite a bit. So wolfrockradio.com, you can find us on radio.net or ask Alexa to play Wolf Rock Radio. Good old Alexa. All right, Jay, uh, have a great week and stay in touch, my friend. Thanks, brother. You too. Okay. Okay, so let's get into this. Quick reminder, get up to that MetalMayhemROC.com website, sign up for our newsletter, join our community. A lot of exciting things going on here. And you could get all these links to both Jay Wallace and Wolf Rock Radio and uh, Dominic and Maximum Threshold and see all this up on our website. So let's get into it. For Metal Walt in New Jersey, Jay Wallace in Cleveland, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. And as always, folks, keep it heavy. Hey! Listen up. Now get that popcorn ready and grab a seat. Do it! As the Vernomatic presents this week's feature interview exclusively here on Metal Mayhem ROC. We are here live backstage at the Agora Theater, downtown Cleveland, Ohio. Tonight's sold out Wasp Armored Saint 40th anniversary tour rolls into town. 
and my friends at Wolf Rock Radio and my buddy Jay Wallace sitting right next to me. We're doing a special Metal Mayhem ROC Wolf Rock Radio crossover event. It's unprecedented, but the metal community is getting together, and we're real excited and honored to speak with Joey Vera, founding member, one of the original guys in Armored Saint. Joey, welcome to Cleveland, and thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Really nice to meet both of you guys, and this is an unprecedented thing that I think I'm being uh, involved in here. This is really cool. This is groundbreaking. Yes. Jay, before we get into this, uh, let's give the Metal Mayhem listeners a quick little snapshot of your brand and how, well, where you came from. You are our host in Cleveland tonight. Yes. I've been around the music business since the early 80s. I uh, have a metal show and a rock show on wolfrockradio.com. And a uh, few, about a month or so ago, saw Raven and Riot Act and was making a comment on that. And Joe made a comment back on me, and we found out that we are metal kindred. So we are, we're hooked up. We're cross-promoting uh, between Metal Mayhem and Wolf Rock Radio, and we're trying to bring the best of metal, which goes to, without saying, Armored Saint here tonight. And um, just thank you for letting me be part of this, man. I'm very honored. Of course, enough about us. Let's talk with Joey Vera. Uh, Joe, congr- oh, I'm enjoying this. This is historical. So. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on the tour. Thank you. We're going back in time, direct support. And I wouldn't even, in my eyes, not a direct support, almost a co-headline. UN Wasp sold out tour, started about a month ago, goes through the holidays. How have things been going? And um, you look great. Are you getting your sleep? And how are things going on the tour? Well, uh, thank you. Must be the makeup um, I put on this morning. Tour is going great. We're actually only in our second week of the tour. So it's just kind of getting started. We're a third of the way through. It's six weeks long. So we just started the first portion of it. Just getting through now. Um, And it's going really well. We got another sold out show tonight. That makes 14 for the whole run, which is I don't think I've ever been on a tour in 40 years in my life in history that 14 shows have been sold out. 14 shows? 14 That's shows amazing. have been sold, are sold out on this run. So it's pretty, pretty damn cool. It's a, a testament to the fans, number one, uh, coming to support band, the bands, uh, live music again and all that kind of stuff. And also to test, a testament to Wasp and Armored Saint coming together and doing having a great package for the fans uh, so we're super honored to be on this number one and being out with wasp is it's a, it's a great circle for us coming back 40 years later we started out in the clubs together and here we are 40 years later it's just very incredible to be out here later in the show we're going to take a walk down heavy metal memory lane and yeah. i do have a question for you concerning that tour back in 85 i hope i can remember well i'm sure you will but first and foremost um the the tour the set list you're diving right into a little bit of uh the new one punching the sky and a nice kaleidoscope throughout your career two-part question how did you decide what to play and how are the new songs going over and i think jay has a comment about some of them <laughs> Well, it's always hard for us, you know, I mean, we've been around for a long time, but we only have eight studio records, so we don't have like a 
crazy long uh, catalog, but we have enough of a catalog that makes it still makes it hard for us to pick and choose what we're going to be playing live. Um, we have 50 minutes to play, so it's not a terribly long time, but it's enough time for us to dabble into most of our career. So we just, you know, we're, we're celebrating 40 years this year, uh, and so is Wasp, by, by the way. Both bands celebrating 40 years. It's an anniversary for, in that sense, for both bands. So we kind of leaned, trying to lean on the, the history of the band and, and 40 years of our career. So a lot of it is based on, you know, what our most popular songs basically are. So people, a lot of people are seeing us for the first time, believe it or not. Uh, we're playing a lot of cities on this run that we've never been to. So a lot of people are seeing us for the first time. So we're trying to not give them too much of uh, deep cuts. You know, we want to give people more popular songs. What to, anyway, we want people to expect, just, uh, you know, what, what to expect. You want to know what to expect from us. And the new stuff's been going over great. I mean, we're, we, of course, we have a new record out. What we consider a new record came out in 20 during the whole pandemic, but we're super proud of the new music that we're making. We always have been. And so, uh, we always want to play new music. So we've got a couple of new songs in the set and they're going, it's going over amazing. You know, I think that the general, um, consensus from fans is that they love what we do currently. You know, they don't. They just they don't want to just hear Can You Deliver and March of the Saint from 1984. They also want to hear what we've been doing in the last five to ten years. So that's a great thing for us because we want to play the new music too. Yeah, and with the with the new album, um, been listening to that quite a bit. Uh, end of the attention span. How did that song come about? What's how did the attention span part of it? <laughs> uh, you mean lyrically? Well. Well, the the song came about uh, through a very very intro riff uh, that you hear is is a riff that Phil had um, a couple of years ago, and he would just play this riff over and over. It was just, just the one, the kind of Slayer esque kind of thing in the beginning. And so, when we were writing the writing for the record, um, that was one of the things that he submitted to me for uh, for you know parts you know and so i thought it was a cool part so basically we turned it into what is now the song and he phil actually also had the concept for the end of the attention span um and it was something that he just kind of came up with basically <laughs> being observant you know with a lot of people in social media and whatnot and just you know this this idea that you know everything is so rapid now uh, it was rapid even before, you know, but once the internet got a hold of everybody and social media was a, the next thing that came after the internet, um, people's attention spans are extremely short now. It's like they need, it's, uh, the click is, you know, 10 seconds long nowadays. It's, if your intention is captured for more than 10 seconds, pretty amazing. So it's a sad thing with our youth, unfortunately. You know, but uh, anyway, Phil brought it up and suggested it to John as a potential uh, concept, and so John liked it and took took the uh, basically took that that comment and basically wrote a song around it. Yeah, are you mixing in some other cuts from the new one, or are you pretty much 
um, in your groove on the couple that you are playing? Yeah, we're kind of stuck sticking it with the two. When we first started <clears throat> the run, we started in Vegas. Um, like I said, two weeks ago, we're from LA. So the, the, the tour started basically LA based. So started in Vegas, then we did Anaheim and then we, then we left the state and we've been working our way back since. But the first handful of shows, we did have another song from the new record in Missile the Gun. Yeah. Which is a fun song too. It's another video that we made and super high energy song. But, um, I don't know. It's was feeling like we were leaving out. There was that one spot that was being left out for maybe another song from our career. And so we ended up putting Last Train Home into the set and took Missile out. You know, like I said before, we're celebrating 40 years and we, if it were up to me, I'd be playing like seven or eight new songs. Yeah. You know, I want to play Lone Wolf. You know, I want to play My Jurisdiction. You know, um, there's a lot of songs I'd love to play from the new record, but you know, it's not all about me. You know, we're here to celebrate music with the fans and we're also, you know, part of this whole celebration of 40 years. So, so, uh, we put Last Train in the set and, and you know, so, I think people are, are, so far there's no complaints. There's been, people are loving the set. What we do normally, and we did it this time too, is we have our set list that we decide, okay, well, this is going to be the set list, right? It's whatever, it's 10 songs, let's say. But we always have a pool of five songs or so on the side that we pull from when we get bored or when we, you know, we feel like the set needs something. So we have another five, six songs that we have ready to go. But we haven't started doing that yet because, like I said, tour is really just getting started. It's only two weeks in. We're just now, believe it or not, getting into a groove. And part of that reason is that we, after the first four or five shows, we got into Texas. And when we got into Texas, Michael Shanker Group joined the tour, mm -hmm. this tour. So they were going on between us and Wasp. So that changed the whole dynamic of this touring package. It just did dynamic changed with the with the crew and the setting up and the rehearsals and, and the sound checks and the you know meet and greets and stuff and it just the whole dynamic changed so but once they left um after tulsa we're sort of getting back to business now so this is where we are right now we're just now getting into the groove of of getting back to what how this production is running Saturday night in well, Cleveland and a sold well, out show. You know, and I can't say that we're going to change the setup tonight. Um, you know, again, we're just, just now settling in. So we're, we're going to see how it goes over the next week. Then we start, we might start, you know, moving some other songs in. But, you know, um, I never want to talk too much about it because I would rather fans be surprised about when they come see the show. You know, I don't, I don't want, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm going to fm.com, you know, setlist fm, you know, and I want to see what the setlist is. Am I, do I really want to go see, you know, whatever? What's the setlist, you know? And I'm guilty of it. I admit, but, <laughs> but, uh, we don't want to spoil too much about the setlist. So, well, it's good to hear that you're, that you're taking into account the fans. Um, a lot of bands will just be out there trying to push their new product in that. But I mean, your new, your newest CD 
is all quality work. I mean, from your first album up through this, the progression of of metal you guys have um, provided is really amazing. So, I mean, you could play the whole album, in my opinion, and I'd be, you know, maybe a couple cuts off the first one. Um, (laughs) But one thing I was very interested in looking into your background is the influences, um, your bass influences, a wide array of them. And one of them that stuck out was Jackal Pastorius. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm friends with David Pastorius, his nephew, and he's working with the Pat Travers band. Oh, cool. And he's bringing a real depth to that band mm-hmm. um what is the jazz background from jocko what has that done for you with your metal career well i don't know about my career necessarily but i mean i i first got introduced to jocko when i was a senior in high school so i was had only been playing bass at that point for like two to three years maybe so it was pretty early in my development i would say um, and, you know, I didn't study, uh, jazz or anything, but well, it's, it's not entirely true. I, I did study theory with, uh, you know, with, uh, jazz improv, but it was much later. It was like in my early thirties, but when I was coming up in my late teens and early twenties, I was still mostly influenced by the blues guys, you know, uh, geezer butler. You know, people like that. John Entwistle, John Paul Jones, John Deacon was a big influence. I was also into R&B and funk, like uh, Verdine White, Earth, Wind and Fire, Sly Stone, um, you know, Brothers Johnson, you know, a lot of different music I was listening to. And Jocko kind of came into that picture at the same time um, of, as I was getting into all this different kind of stuff. So I think me personally, for what Jocko did, me was that he just showed me that a bass could be something else and he did that for most bass players i would say at that point when jocko was coming out it was like what the hell is this what is this you know so he was he had this such this amazing palette of his percussiveness and his let alone his jazz uh playing and, and all of the soloing and stuff but his voicing you know har- use of harmonics and his use of you know uh, melody you know was just was so it just turned everybody on its head and so i just took certain things from him and made it made it in, incorporated into what i was already doing so i took his what he he rubbed off on me most of his funky side is what is what you know, came onto my plane. And I still use it to this day. I mean, I use a, tons of grace notes, which is like basically dead notes. And I use that all the time, all night long. And so maybe no one really hears it, but I think that you feel it. You get a sense of rhythm and movement from that. And that's really the biggest, to answer your question specifically, that's how he's really been a part of my uh, voice, as it were. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Joey, the band, outside of a live stream last year, a year or two, hasn't performed. But yourself, you're involved with the King Diamond Tour, or Merciful Fate Uh, Tour. Merciful Fate over the summer, yeah. Yeah, I had a chance to see them Friday, uh, Thursday night up in New York, King's Mm -hmm. Theater. Amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You're right down there. 
and the gal filling in for you, Becky. She's great. She fit right in. Yeah, yeah. The outside projects, the fate's warning, you're, you're all over the place and you enjoy it. I've always had my fingers in a lot of different cookie jars. It's for a long time. You know, I'm also with Motor Sister and yep. Fate's Warning and, you know, and, you know, now Merciful Fate. And I have always enjoyed playing with other people. And, and a lot of, a lot of these things, a lot of these bands I just mentioned, they also happen to be really good friends of mine as well. Yeah. So it's not like I'm just hired gunned to people who are complete strangers to me, you know, so. That's an important thing for me to, to be around people that I know and, and um, have relationships with who are amazing musicians. Uh, so I still in, am involved in all of that stuff. Luckily, not, a, not all of them have tours happening at the same time, because, but it's- <laughs> except for Merciful Fate, which is why I'm not out with them. But, um, you know, so it's a you know, it's been a challenge to keep that. Just keep it all separate. Uh, of know? course. Mike, our tech guy, does have a question for you. Mike? Sure. Hey, Joe. So I'm just wondering, you know, back in the uh, late 80s and when you guys uh, did the last album, then John left to go to uh, Anthrax around 92-ish. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, two parts, I guess, did you, did you, anyone think about, you know, maybe writing some music and doing something without him? And how did you guys feel about that? You know, I know it's probably been asked a million times, but I've never really heard the answer. Yeah. No, um... For for me, you know, I had a much many conversations with John about his transition out of the band. It was, so it wasn't like a major shock to me when it all happened. I knew it was coming. We talked about it. I gave him my blessing. I knew it was the right thing for him to do at the time. So uh, once once that decision was made and he left, for me it was there was like well, there's no way I'm going to work with Armored Saint without John Bush. So for me personally, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it was it was over. It was done. We're not doing anything else. You've played Cleveland a number of times. Is there any of the gigs that kind of stand out for you for either the crowd or the venue? I mean, we've got venues anywhere from the Variety Theater, which is closed now, the original Agora, the Agora, you know, all of these clubs. Um, anything stick out? From any of the tours, I mean, is it is is pretty much a heavy metal crowd? I mean, yeah, I mean, I I just say in general, like the there's a few there's there's a there's a few there's a handful of cities across the nation where we feel like is home, mm-hmm. kind of. Chicago's one of them. Cleveland's one of them. L.A. of course, because we're from L.A. Um, New York. You know, San Antonio, like, you know, this, so Cleveland fits in that love, you know? Okay. It's a place where we've always felt welcome since we first started playing here 40 years ago. Oh, that's great to hear. And, yeah. when, and I was talking to you uh, right before this, that I started in the record business at record stores, stocking yeah. your albums and now playing your albums on, um, on the air. So it's been yeah. an honor to help along those 40 years yeah. and watch you guys grow. I mean, the, the newest album, as opposed to March of the Saint, there's not a huge discrepancy between the two. They're, they're Armored Saint. You can hear the Armored Saint all the way through. So it's not that you're going in some really offbeat direction in that, but you're holding true to your metal roots, pretty much. Thank you. And I, you know, it's, uh, it's not 
an easy thing to do, I don't think. Um, if I can pat myself on the back. <laughs> um, well, to do this for 40 years. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, we we didn't, we never set out to make the same record twice. Like, we've always been a band since day one that has always kind of, every record was different from the one that was behind, you know, prior to it. And that's always been important for us. We, we always, one of, some of our biggest influences as a group were bands like, that had a lot of diversity in them bands and records that were always sort of changing a little with each one groups like ufo or thin lizzy queen you know those bands never made the same record twice and we were sort of following along those same footsteps kind of unconsciously i have to say um and so we're super proud that we're able to make a record 40 years in that is not so alien from the first record, but also very different at the same time. You know, we never set out to recreate, you know, Delirious Nomad or even Symbol of Salvation. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate you know, that. Well, <laughs> so um, we always wanted to move forward every single time we write, sit down to write music. We always want to move in a new direction, you know, but without alienating where we come from. It has to be this thread that goes back to day one without it feeling trite, you know, and, and, and used over and over and over. Um, that was never our MO. So it, I don't think it's very easy to do that. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that our willingness to take chances, um, has kept us honest and, um, you know, and I think that fans are smart enough to see that. Great. That's a great explanation. I appreciate it. And, you know, bands like you, you know, bring that to life, man. So thank you for coming to Cleveland and the compliment for our city. I appreciate that. It's the truth. The 40th anniversary we're celebrating. And my memory lane, let's go back to January 1985. Mm. Snowstorm in Buffalo, New York. Oh, well, yeah. Remembering. Yeah. We got snowed in. Wasp and Metallica tour. Yeah. Yep, and uh, we couldn't, the show was crazy, amazing, like sick, disgusting, sweaty, hot, you know, outside's freezing ass, but inside it was like the worst sauna you could imagine. The salty dog. Salty dog, I remember that. I've interviewed John several times, and when I mentioned this, were you there? I go, let me tell you a story, and I'll tell you the quick story, (laughs) too. I was in 10th grade, tickets to the show. Pops say, you guys aren't going there. We had a couple older kids that went, took the side roads there. We're in Buffalo for three days. Yeah. So we could not get to the Ride the Lightning. Uh, what was it? Was, it was the first Wasp, and it was your EP? EP or was it? Uh, that was uh, the uh, March no, of the Saint. It was March of the Saint yeah. Um, album, yeah. But um, legendary. Oh, legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and we got, we got snowed in the next day. We couldn't leave. And uh, even this, the town was still, the city was still yeah. under, like, no one was on loud on the streets or anything. We had to get a personal escort from the sheriffs to get the three buses out. Yeah. Because uh, you couldn't you couldn't drive. It was crazy. The cherry on the top, I was a, I'm a big Miami Dolphin fan. 
and the consolation was okay. Well, there was the Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl Sunday, uh-huh. and they lost to the Forty ers So, <laughs> but uh, that's our that's our contribution. But uh, that's great. They're getting all busy out there. We're gonna have to do some serious noise reduction on this edit. But uh, Jay, any parting shots to Joey before we let him go? I just want to say it's an honor to meet you. Thank you so much for all the years of music, and again from starting to stock your albums to playing them on the radio now. It's been an honor to help keep your music alive. So thank you well, for coming to Cleveland. Thank you. I mean, thank you for thank you for caring. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can't do any of this stuff without people like yourselves. You know, um, thank you. I'd be sitting here talking to myself in an empty room. Um, so thank we you do very our share. much. We're the voice. Thank you very much. You're Let's more than appreciate welcome. It. Quick question. Uh, Armored Saint headline tour. Anything in 2023? Nothing like that, you know, to be honest with you, um, and I was talking about this yesterday to someone, um, you know, this tour that we're on now, this is like the exact same thing, exact thing that we need to be doing all the time. To be playing to a larger fan base, a larger group of people that might normally not be there. We couldn't be playing to the same amount of people if we were out headlining ourselves right now. So the fact that we're out with Wasp and kind of sharing each other's sort of... uh, pool of the genre yeah is a great thing and this is what both bands should be doing and, and needs to do and this is we would continue to do tours like this for us to go out and headline you know it's great for fans you know because they get to see a longer set and, a, and more breadth of the of our career and and we it's great for us to do that as well but it doesn't always make sense for the things in the long run you know yeah we would much rather you know, go out and play a shorter set and be able to be exposed to a lot of people who who don't, again, like I said this before, and it might seem shocking to, to you guys, but there's a lot of people who have never seen us before. They've Maybe they've heard the name or they, you know, John the singer was in the, was in Anthrax and this is his other band, you know, you know, things like that. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of peripheral fans out there who've never seen the band and this is why we tour. This is why we go on tour, so that they can see who we are and see what all the hoopla is about. Because there is a lot of hoopla. It's <laughs> <laughs> great to hear it. All right. Again, Joey, thank you. Thank you guys very thank much. Thank you. Take care. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 